There it is, Skylar Henson in the rare air becomes the first man in the history of the Grip and Rip Baseball League to strike out 100 batters in his career. What a moment. Definitely something pretty cool. Glad that Tony gives the guys opportunity to come out here and play. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to do it for four years now. So it's just kind of a culmination of all the things. It's Mr. Burger. Bites is recorded on location in Ozark, Missouri and presented on Anchor. The views expressed on Burger Bites are not necessarily those of the staff and ownership of the Grip and Rip Baseball League. Enjoy the show. Skyler Henson finished his 2020 season with the Ozark Mountain Ducks with 115 strikeouts in 115 innings for his career. He's the all-time leader in the Grip and Rip Baseball League in both categories. He also has a 1.72 career-earned run average he can brag about. Most importantly, Henson got to pop champagne and ring the Howard Bell Championship trophy for the first time. It was a moment of fulfillment four years in the making. To really understand it from Henson's point of view, you have to flash back to 2017, when a catcher-turned-manager by the name of Scott Nasby used a high draft pick on the tall and lean right-hander out of Arkansas Pine Bluff. From the outside looking in, the GRBL is a league full of daydreamers stuck in southern Missouri who haven't quite managed to get a children's game out of their systems. For men like Skylar Henson and the teammates he's made along the way, the GRBL is a place to fulfill something much deeper. I was never ready to put down the glove and take off the cleats. I don't think anyone ever is, but I was so happy to find an avenue to um, continue playing the game. I'm going to kind of flash forward just a touch to 2018. You were playing for Scott Nasby again with the engineers. You guys had a really fun team to watch. It, first of all, it, it scored a lot of runs. So I know I'm talking to the wrong guy about that, <laughs> really. But you guys had some success and you went all the way to, to have a chance to compete for a championship. But, you know, tell me some of your big takeaways from 2018 with the engineers. Um, I think first is the leadership of Coach Nasby. You know, he's a great guy. He's someone that was out there to have fun and realize what, what the Grip and Rip was about. We were there to have fun, but we were there to play baseball and to compete and to do that by enjoying each other, like being friends. And, you know, like that's what baseball is all about. I mean, that's the one thing that whenever I stopped playing, like immediately within weeks, I had missed that the camaraderie that you build with the guys around you. I mean, the brotherhood. I mean, I, I still talk to guys that I played uh, one year of junior college baseball with. I mean, just things like that. I think that's what it's about. That's what the game is about. And that's what I took away from that. I mean, Coach Nasby just kind of fostered that mentality in us. And I I, I really am thankful for it. So yeah, Nasby was in the, in the league for, or as a manager rather, for a total of three seasons. And you were with him for all three of those. And on top of that, I know he was actually the catcher for a lot of your innings. So, I mean, I would think that would kind of make your relationship a little bit dynamic in that way. Definitely. There's, there's always that relationship between pitcher and catcher is super important. I mean, that's why the Cardinals and Yadier, having Yadier Molina is so important because just the, the bond that you build with them and the trust that you have to put in them. I mean, there were times where I would be thinking of a pitch like here, because 
usually if I if I have a getting a feel, I'll have my pitch pre-gripped before the catcher even calls something. But there were times where I would have something pre-gripped and Coach Nasby would throw down something different. And immediately I wouldn't think to ever shake. I would just switch because I knew of the knowledge that he had of the game and the trust that I had in him that, to uh, execute the pitch. Quick segue to, to get into a little bit of philosophy here because it's there's just such a spectrum of it in the grip and rip. And, and some guys say like, oh, it's men's league, you know, just put down a finger and and I'll throw what I want. So, you know, how how in-depth do you like to get with the signs and the signals and the the communication in the grip and rip specifically? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, so I'm pretty easy to work with because I have two pitches, Rance. I throw a fastball and a slider curve mix. Those are the only things, two things you're going to see. And I can throw either pitch in any count. I mean, I'll, I'll throw a curveball 3-0. It doesn't bother me any, and I, I have confidence in it. So I'm not super in-depth. I do like to cover, when there's a runner on second, I like to make sure we have some sort of sign to throw them off because, you know, uh, hitters are cheaters. They like to cheat. <laughs> so, well, the uh, the marriage to Scott Nasby as your catcher came to an end in 2020. You know, you kind of knew ahead of time that Nas was not going to be managing. So yeah. You know, what What were your thoughts prior to the roster constructions just headed into tryouts knowing you were going to be playing for somebody else? See, I, I didn't try not to think too much on that. I just, I've known so many guys in the league that I, I was going to be comfortable with wherever we were. I mean, I, you could throw me out there with a bunch of 12-year-olds and I'm still going to compete as hard as I would with anybody else. So um, I wasn't too worried about that. And I'm glad I ended up where I did, of course, but... Yeah, hindsight being what it is, but let's let's flash back before you guys with the Mountain Ducks went and won a title. You know, what did you think on the night after tryouts? You know, we used to call it banquet night, but there was no food this year because of COVID. So media night, for lack of a better term, is your your yeah. meeting your your teammates, young and old. Uh, you know, what were you thinking seeing that group together? It's kind of crazy because like almost immediately, I just felt like our team just had such a good vibe and such a good connection and everyone just meshed really well. And I really think that's a testament to AK's uh, leadership abilities and his coaching style. So I knew we had something special from the get-go. And after that first game, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but I knew we were going to win the championship just with how, how our team just came together and meshed. Like we were never down. We were never out. I mean, I think there's a couple of games we were, we were down going into later innings and we came back and won, but there were never in those times where it's a dugout solemn or pouting or anything like that. We were always, you know, ready to play ball. And I think like that is what I enjoyed most out of this season is having a group of guys that it felt like that every time we stepped on the field, every time we got together, it was, we were all friends. We all knew our role. We were all there to see our team win with whatever we had to do that day whether it was, you know, me starting or Clay starting or, you know, me getting a bat or laying down a bunt to move the runners over, whatever we had to do, like our team would sacrifice to do it and get the job done. And I, that is how I knew this team would be special. I mean, I've been on a lot of baseball teams my entire life. I mean, but I, there was something different about this team and it was almost, that was evident immediately. You know, it's really interesting. You just called it vibe. Uh, Mountain Ducks manager Austin Kendrick called it culture to me a couple times on that opening night, that Friday night game with the the Knicks of Suckers. But, you know, it's not like you guys are together in spring training for a couple of months and you, you know, you really get to know each other. You, you play 
seven to nine games per season. And sometimes you're only seeing people once a week. So you've been around the league a while. Can you just give us a snapshot of how culture or a, a team's vibe develops on the fly like that? I think it really starts with the players' personalities and their attitude coming every game. I mean, we were there to have fun and we were there to play and win. I mean, the win being the most important thing. And that's what we did. I mean, we were there. And I think that it, it comes from personal attitude every day. Coach AK had, he set the tone on the first night. And I think that we all just followed suit. We all just did our job and we got the job done. So speaking of, of pitcher-catcher relationships, I want to ask you about Jacob Coulter. Of course, watching all the Mountain Ducks games, we watched him get some key hits for you guys. But um, what was he like for you just behind the scenes, behind the catcher's mask and that, that part of the game that we can't see from the stands? He loved to play the game more than any of us. I love to play the game, but I think he might have loved it a little bit more than I did. He And it was, you could tell it too. Like that was the thing. It's like you could really feel that he was there to enjoy himself and to play the game. And um, it kind of rubs off on you, that intensity and the, the positive mentality. It's very important, especially from a catcher, because you have someone that's back there loving to play the game, working hard. And, you know, I don't, can't think of a ball that he left, left by him or a time that he didn't get down and try to block a ball. He, he sacrificed himself. I think that just comes back to because he loved the game and knows the game. And then we also saw, you know, for you personally, your role – as, as far as how you were used, expanded quite a bit under new management with the Mountain Ducks. You know, you weren't just a starting pitcher. We saw you become a utility infielder and you were uh, infielding in key situations in the playoffs. You know, what did you make of just the way your, your role was expanding individually? Yeah, so that's funny you ask that because I've always considered myself not a pitcher, not a position player. I've considered myself a ball player. And, uh, you know, growing up, I never really got to watch him because I was – uh, a little too young, but my favorite player was always uh, Ozzie Smith and his ability to play defense and the way that he played defense with the, just the quickness and the attack and the baseball. That was one thing that rubbed off on me. And I've, that's always been my favorite part of the game is playing defense. And even in, in junior college, I went to junior college to be an infielder, not to be a pitcher, but I just kind of carved out that role as a pitcher. And it just, it kind of took off and I just ran with it. All right. So, I mean, you said you were confident that the Mountain Ducks were going to win a championship, but that title game certainly was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was. So what are your big memories from championship night? The game, and then we'll get to the celebration in a minute. I would say like my the biggest memory, obviously, is the walk-off hit, right? I mean, that's kind of enshrined. Uh, Harrison got that on video. So it's like, you'll ne I'll never forget that. That'll be something that I get to carry around forever. But I think just we pitched really well that game. I can't even, I don't even remember the final score to be honest with you, but yeah, so we pitched really well. I think we kind of struggled with the bats a little bit. I think we all, all kind of did. And you know, we just, when it was our time, we just kept fighting, but that was like how the whole season went. I mean, we were there and just in the position to make the, the play and we made the play every time it was asked of us. Four to three, by the way, but anyway, four to three, four to three. <laughs> You and the Mets. I knew it was, cool. I knew it was you, one run. You and the Mets played good games both times. It was really good. I would have liked to have seen one more, maybe, but <laughs> but I digress. So yeah, the the final hit off of Mark Blim's bat goes into the outfield. Austin Kendrick crosses home plate. You know what do you remember from the wildness of the celebration? So it's crazy because I can vividly remember it because there's only been a couple of times I've been on. A, like I said, I've been on a lot of teams, and 
when I was at Pine Bluff, we won the division championship all three or our conference division championship all three years. And I remember each of those times as well, like leaving the dugout and it, the feeling is just so euphoric. Uh, it's hard to put it into words. I mean, you can just feel the energy. And I think, I think that that's what I most, what I mostly remember. Say the folks at home can't see it, but you're wearing the championship shirt right now. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, that was, you know, four years in the league. This was your first championship. You've come close a couple times. Just what yeah. kind of personal fulfillment do you take from getting it done and, and ringing the bell? Um, uh, a lot of personal fulfillment. I mean, especially with the guys that we had. I think it, that's what it means the most to me. I mean, getting to share that experience with them and then, you know, kind of a personal thing too, because I know our first, my first time in the championship, it was a relatively close game, I think, until the later innings. But it, it just, I just always felt like we came up short and I didn't want that to happen again. I, th- I knew that we had the team to make, make it to the championship. And I think it was just a matter of getting the right opportunity for the right people to to get the win. On September 30th, 2020, Skylar Henson became the first pitcher in five years of grip and rip baseball to log 100 strikeouts in his career. He added 15 more to that total before the Ozark Mountain Ducks won a thrilling championship game. Henson's command of the career strikeout record is staggering. He's atop the pyramid at 115. The next closest pitchers are Andy Galley with 91 and Jesse Hodge with 90 strikeouts. Trey Watson ranks fourth with 80 strikeouts for his career, and Moon City Mavericks pitcher King Owens is fifth with 58 Ks. All of those totals are very impressive. It's just that Skylar Henson has climbed his way into such rare air, he may never be caught. Speaking of rare air, we're going to visit with Skylar Henson about his love for hiking and his love for dogs right after I tell you about another fella who loves dogs. Springfield Metropolitan's manager Brock Chaffin is the man with the plan at Rube Bats, a promotional sponsor of the podcast. Rube Bats just made a $250 donation to Rescue One of Springfield, specifically the Silver Paws Golden Hearts program in direct support of senior dogs' needs, including medical expenses, adoption fees, and extra comfy beds. When you buy a quality stick from Rube Bats, Brock and Rube give $10 to help shelter dogs right here in the Ozarks. Quality wood, quality prices, and help for shelter dogs. That's Rube Bats. R-U-E-B Bats. Find them on Facebook and help keep plastic out of the game. Let's go back to Skylar Henson and back up into the Rocky Mountains, where he's been known to disappear for days at a time with nothing but a backpack and his faithful dog, Cash. Let's talk about some other things you find fulfilling in life. I mean, dude, yeah. I would like to just jump into your Instagram and, and live on some of the adventures you've been on. It, it looks <laughs> like you like to go up into the mountains and do a lot of hiking. So yeah, let's I'm talk a, hiking. I'm, big, I'm a big hiking fan. Um, so I got a dog my senior year of college and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, my senior year, I took maybe, I think I had 12 credit hours the first semester and six the second. So I had a lot of free time outside of baseball. And, um, me and my dog just started, we'd go running and then someone took me hiking one time and I kind of just fell in love with the, the peace and the tranquility of the mountains and, uh, of nature. So it's just something that's kind of always stuck with me. You don't, you learn a lot about yourself whenever you don't, you're not on your phone and there's a few people to talk to around you. You have to really be comfortable having that kind of solitude. 
And I think that that's brought me, that's where I go to clear my mind for a while. I haven't done it in probably a few months, but I would go on trail runs. That was my big thing. It's like, I liked running. I enjoyed that. So where could I run and not have to have my dog on a leash and we could just go and I could enjoy nature. And that was out on the trail. So that's what I would do is I would just pack up, go down to Busick, you know, and just run the trails. I really f- fell in love with the outdoors and stuff, doing that kind of thing. Yeah, of course, we have the Busick State Forest here in Christian County. And some people, uh, you know, get about 100 yards from the parking lot and call that hiking. But I mean, yeah, you, you go like off into the bush, right? Yeah, yeah. So I do uh, backpacking. I do. Um, I've done a three day backpacking in uh, Aspen is usually where I go. I love the the beautiful yellow Aspens of September. I think our next spot, we're going to the Grand Canyon in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go hiking down there. Me and my girlfriend are going to go hiking down there. So uh, I'm excited to be able to, you know, see somewhere new. But yeah, if we, I really enjoy being outside and being away from a lot of the noise that's around us today. <laughs> How rough are you roughing it when you're out on these excursions? So you carry everything. <laughs> that I mean, everything that you're going to use, you carry. So you got to make sure that, you know, you're not carrying too much weight, but it's pretty rough. I mean, the only kind of light you have is like a headlamp and you have obviously your tent and your sleeping bag and that sort of thing. But uh, it's not for everyone. Let's just say that. What kind of dog do you have? He's an Australian. I have an Australian Shepherd. And then yeah. my girlfriend and I, uh, she has two uh, rescue dogs. So we have, we're a rather large pack. Um <laughs> They all get along with each other or has oh, there had to have, uh, yeah. No, they love each other. It's funny because they're always playing and they always want to play. And uh, I actually have a goal this year to run a thousand miles. So every night, like I'll take uh, each of them on a, a mile run. I'll run a mile with each of them. That way no one gets left out. And let, they love to do that sort of thing. So it's it's been good to have them. And, you know, it's just the world could use more dogs. It's always good to trust a man who likes a dog. I think Steve Lale, one of my broadcast partners, taught me that. But yeah. So now, like, when you do, you take your dog like out on the the long hikes. Yeah. And you're so out in the wilderness. Um, since I got cash, how does he? Yeah, he that? does really well actually. Since I got cash when I was my senior year of college and didn't have much going on, I've actually read a couple of books on dog training. So I trained him to you know do a lot of things, and he's very well behaved. So uh, he does really well. He went through a spurt last year where he tore both of his ACLs and cost me a lot of money. So we've kind of had to slowly been getting him back into that sort of thing. But um, it's fun. Everyone's always so excited to see a dog when you see, see him out on the trail too, just because it's, you know, it's a quieter place and most people go at it alone or, you know, with a very small group of people, especially the, you know, you start talking three-day backpacking trips. There's not a lot of people out there. I mean, you may run into a few every day or whatever, but for the most part, you're on your own. And uh, they're always happy to see a dog. In your professional life, working at a bank, you probably don't get a lot of solitude, I would guess. For what I do, you kind of do, I guess. Being more behind a desk instead of, you know, interacting with uh, deposit customers and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a good counterbalance from, you know, being in a professional work experience to whenever you do have that free time to, you know, taking it for yourself and getting that quiet time, if if that's what you need, you know? And I think like, for me, that's really important. If I've had a bad day, I don't want to come home and veg out and watch Netflix. Like I want to go, go for a run or do something active. And for the longest time, you know, hiking and 
uh, trail running was that outlet for me. And as I kind of advanced in my career, you don't get as much of that time, but when I do get that time, that's what I, that's how I choose to spend it. So like, as we're talking here, it's winter time. At what point do you plan to start mixing in some baseball specific stuff to help get yourself ready for August? Or do you even do that? I mean, some guys just shut it off. Uh, I will tell you, Rance, I have to admit this. I'm not too proud of it, but last year I didn't absolutely nothing baseball related <laughs> before this season. I got to tell you, every time I, I've interviewed you a few times now, and it's weird to me because I have to remind myself that you are as old as you, or it's more accurate to say you're not as old as I think you are, even though you've been in the league forever. You're, you're the all-time innings leader, the all-time strikeout guy. You're still only 28 years old. So let's, let's kind of talk some future here. What are the, uh, you know, what are the plans? What are the goals you have for yourself in grip and rip? Well, yeah. So I, I, uh, I think that uh, I'm going to be doing this for another 20, 25 years, Rance. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I, I sure hope so. I mean, I'm going to throw the ball as long as my arm will let me throw it and, you know, knock on some wood here, but uh, I have not ha- ever had too much arm trouble and I've always been a, a noodle arm, <laughs> as they like to say, and been able to throw every day if I can. And I think I'm going to continue doing that. I think it'll probably take a little bit more preparation in the future probably starting with this year, just make sure I don't get hurt. I did have a point uh, in this past season where my arm kind of tightened up on me. And I want to make sure that doesn't happen again because I don't want to cause a serious injury or anything like that. What about, you know, now that you do have that first championship under your belt, are you, you know, does that change your hunger to to go out and try to help a team win a bell? Oh, no. Rance, I, I play the game as hard if we're down by 10 runs as I do if we're ahead by 10 runs. It, I think it that's just who I am. And it's not even just baseball in general. It's uh, being a competitor. And I think that's it's super important that people kind of approach life in that way, no matter whatever they're doing. is They're doing something they love. They need to be doing it to the best of their ability. And that's what I try to do. I go out there. I, I love to play baseball. I love to throw the ball. And I get up there and I see someone else that's trying to hit the ball that I'm trying to pitch. And I don't want them to hit it. Or if they do hit it, I want to make sure it's not good contact or, you know, and that sort of thing. So I think it, it, that stuff's super important. Do you pay much attention to numbers at all? Like, you know, do you care how many strikeouts or how many hits you concede or anything like yeah. that? Yeah. So th- there's two numbers that I look for here. The first being like hit batters. That's always been a, a weakness for me, especially being a, a slide arm kind of guy. Uh, I let things get away from me on to right-handed batters sometimes. And I think, um, Limiting those is super important. I can only think of a couple that I had this year, but in previous years, those first two weeks are had been uh, kind of suspect on <laughs> hitting guys. And, you know, maybe that keeps guys on their feet. I don't know. But, <laughs> like, that was one thing I keep track of. And then the other one is a first pitch strike. Those, I think, I can't remember what the stat is, but uh, the chances of someone getting on base or getting a hit if you throw a first pitch strike decreases drastically. Thank you so much for, that is like my favorite statistic. So thank you yeah. for, that's my go-to like as a commentator. So just, that's funny. You, you made that's, the baseball uh, geek in me so happy just now. So when we were in Canada, we had this uh, little kids expose or, you know, like where they came and, you know, the Red Sox were uh, uh, working with them. And um, it's, I guess it's kind of like a camp sort of thing. And we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, they put us in groups or like, you're going to group work with this group of kids and then we're just going to rotate the kids. And we're like, well, what are we supposed to do with them? They're like, oh, you can just 
do what pitchers do. Just go play catch or something. I was like, well, that's no fun. So I was like, okay, well, we'll we let the kids warm up, play a little catch. And then I was like, all right, well, we got to do something, make this a little bit competitive for the kids or something. So I got down into the catcher spot, let the kids stand on the mound. And I was like, all right, if you throw a strike, you're in. But if you throw a ball, then you're out. We're going to go to last man standing. So that was a fun thing to do for little kids. And which I tried to emphasize that with them is the importance of throwing that first pitch strike because you're just so, you have so much more success when you can throw that first pitch where you want it. Speaking of kids, uh, like that, that first Friday night game with the Mountain Ducks, like after you guys won the game, that was the first time in a long time I'd seen a grip and rip player get asked for an autograph, but there were, there were Mountain Ducks guys signing baseballs down there. Did you get in on yeah, that? I did get on that. That was, that was pretty awesome. I, like I said, I've been playing baseball for a long time and you don't get asked that very often. And it's pretty special when you do, because you just know that how I was at that age. And I looked up to the, the guys that were older than me and, you know, playing the game still. And, you know, you wanted to, that's what you wanted to be. And, you know, I, I think it's important to have people that you can view um, that are doing that sort of thing. That way, you know that you can do it. And, you know, I had those people with the, the St. Louis Cardinals or Springfield Cardinals as a bad boy. And here I am, their age. I may not be playing at the level they're playing at, but I'm still playing the game. You can watch the Marionville Comet Skylar Henson and the rest of the show that is the Grip and Rip Baseball League on Sundays this fall, starting in mid-August and running through late October. We can now confirm that the league has extended its lease with U.S. Baseball Park, meaning that Ozark, Missouri is the official home to the premier wood bat baseball league in the heart of America for years to come. Find out more at thegrbl.com. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and good night from Ozark, Missouri. Ozark, Missouri.